our generations are different than younger generations and we have to accept that and we have to start working within the means. The technology is here, they have access to it. It's not gonna disappear. When you woke up this morning, what was the first thing that you did? Did you get a sip of water, journal in a notebook, maybe start listening to music? Or did you turn off your alarm on your smartphone, maybe hit snooze a couple of times, I know I'm guilty of that, and then begin to immediately scroll through social media before even getting out of bed? Here's the thing. We're all guilty of using our phones, and a lot of us are guilty of indulging on social media, minors included. But one North Texas representative aims to ban social media, totally, completely, for users who are ages 13 to 18. I'm Bailey Friday in Texas wants to know, can Texas lawmakers ban minors from social media? Republican State House Representative Jared Patterson proposed House Bill 896, which will not only ban minors from social media apps like Instagram and Twitter, but it also requires verification for accounts on the platform to be made. It also lets the state enforce these rules on these private companies with consequences if they don't comply. Well, what we're seeing is that social media is is harming kids. There's been plenty of not only anecdotal, but academic research that shows that these platforms are causing increase in anxiety and depression, body image issues, eating disorders, su suicide rates are going up amongst minors. And so this bill that Representative Patterson has put forth is aiming to provide some protections to our children, just like we provide protections uh, for tobacco use, pornography, alcohol, things of that nature that um, while we, we want parents at the center of, of what is happening with their children, we understand that they that we also need to be able to hold these companies uh, to account as well. That is Greg Sindelar voicing his support for the bill and highlighting the toxicity of social media platforms. He is the CEO of the Texas Public Policy Foundation. So social media, it's seen as addictive. Representative Patterson even compared it to the pre-1964 cigarette. How does it compare to that? I, I think it's very comparable. I think that it's astute on his part. And, you know, the, the whole business model is built on keeping you com coming back, right? If you've ever deleted one of these apps from your phone, the amount of emails and, and things that they send you try to get you back on it is it's, it's overwhelming. And you, know, you get that dopamine hit every time you come on and the algorithms are meant to keep you engaged and coming on because the more time you spend, the more ads they can serve and the more money they make. And so they want to serve you content that keeps you engaged. And so if you go down some of these rabbit trails that can be very toxic and very harmful and especially for developing brains and let alone you know as a 40 year old male my my brain as well it actually causes you to go down these trails and get way down in in them and it's really hard to pull back out of them and so you are kind of delivered this toxicity with over and over again and you're encouraged to keep uh, going into it and so i i think it if you look at where tobacco was back uh in the 60s and and some of those trails it's very similar as they they were advertising to children. They wanted to get people addicted to the product because it made them more money, and this is no different today. While many agree that social media can be harmful, minors' usage of social media is multifaceted. We spoke to Caleb Milney, who's the vice chair of the Collin County Democrats, and Delia Parker Mims, who's the chair of the Denton County Democrats. They both have different perspectives on this bill and everything that goes along with it, and they both raised the question of whether it would be worthwhile. 
social media and having kids have completely unfettered access to it has unquestionably had consequences. We have seen, you know, suicides go up. We have seen greater prevalence, mental illness. Suicides are actually up 40% from 10 years ago. And so it's really sad to see such a serious issue be addressed by such an unserious bill. The different layers that they're putting on it, I get it. I do speeches to schools about social media safety, tracking and um, grooming. I, I get it. And I, and I 100% support um, having parental controls on certain things. I, I think parents should also step in and control social media exposure. But the root cause behind wanting to do this, I think, is really more in terms of blocking information. I think that they know that, that Gen Z and the millennials, but particularly Gen Z we're, we're talking about right now, they want to prevent them from having as much access to information as possible. Jeff Temple is a professor and licensed psychologist at the University of Texas Medical Branch. He explains how social media can be so addicting. There is a, quite a bit of evidence that uh, uh, that social media platforms, you know, the, the algorithms they use uh, create a sort of reinforcement mechanism that uh, sort of like you know, smoking and nicotine uh, requires the next big hit or the next hit or this this idea of intermittent reinforcement and likes and friends and so forth. So when we look at it, you know, it's this, uh, uh, it's everything is like, this is like everything else, right? In moderation, it's probably fine. Excessive use is probably not fine. And, and the thing I think that we don't know and we haven't sorted out as a field is whether it is a cause of anxiety and depression or that kids who are more anxious and more depressed are more likely to spend more time on social media or gaming platforms. So we really do have to disentangle that before we completely blame social media on our current uh, mental health woes, which, by the way, we have a lot of other stuff going on that can be associated with with uh, youth mental health and both good and bad that we can't blame it all on social media. There's so much that's that's causing children to be more depressed. COVID increased depression amongst the youth. And the only thing that really actually did help them was their access to each other. We found that there are a number of benefits to having uh, children have the ability to access the internet and to access social media. There's research that suggests, for example, LGBTQ teens can use social media to find communities and support that they may not be able to find in their local physical community. And so students and, and children often use social media to get access to information that's very important to their learning process and to their ability to develop as members of our community and engaged citizens. Digging deeper into the mechanics of the bill, it's easy to see that there may be flawed logic when it comes to execution. Amy Sanders is an associate professor of journalism and media at the University of Texas at Austin. She tells us whether or not the bill actually abides by the First Amendment. This bill absolutely has First Amendment implications. And I want to start out by saying that just because a person is not 18 doesn't mean that they don't have constitutional rights. So there are, there are real serious implications to 
limiting children's access to social media. We have case law that says that they don't necessarily have their full First Amendment rights in a school setting, but that has to do with the purpose of a school setting. And and to be able to educate students and not have certain types of free speech get in the way of that educational process, the idea that a government could wholly limit students' ability or, or children's ability to access social media in their own homes is extremely terrifying to me in a democratic society. House Bill 896 can sensationalize the idea of banning minors from social media, right? But if you look back throughout history, you can see that this actually is not the first time that politicians have tried to control how people consume media. I absolutely support as a parent, you know, being able to control the type of access that people have to social media. But the idea that that social media is what's harming, not TV. Have you seen TV? Have you seen what's on Netflix? The interesting thing about this whole situation, this this whole piece of legislation is, of course, the, the purported concern is for um, the impact on children's mental health. And listen, I'm not going to say that there isn't research that suggests that social media can negatively impact adolescents' mental health. But I will also say that we've seen these kinds of concerns with almost every major new type of media or platform that's come about. We saw these concerns with parents in the 50s and 60s with rock and roll. We saw these concerns in the 90s with video games and the pervasiveness of the internet. So these concerns about the negative impact of media and emerging technologies on our children aren't new. American Academy of Pediatrics talks about all forms of media. The older, the better. Uh, Certainly nothing before like age three or four. You you know, I I don't know if there is a a specific age. I, I think the the better approach is knowing that kids of all ages and increasingly younger ages are being exposed to media of all fronts and social media and and all that. And so rather than trying to fight it and police it and attack it and try to prevent them from, you know, uh, being exposed to that, which is really impossible this day and age, I think a better approach is to equip our youth to uh, manage it and deal with it and uh, be prepared for it. We need to get rid of the concept of a blanket social media ban. Uh, We need to get rid of the concept of having people submit ID documents for their accounts and banning, because this this bill also bans accounts not directly attributable to a person, right? So those two ideas are are non-starters for this. Uh, But if we went in there and we said all social media companies need to have parental controls available for parents where they're setting up an account and they can set it up as a, as a juvenile account to be able to control, say, that the time spent on there, the content viewable. And then if the account becomes problematic for, for the kid, the parent should have the ability to delete that account. I think those things where it forms more of a partnership with social media companies and parents makes a lot of sense. It has some elements 
that I think are, are really, really important and have been considered in other states. One of those elements, of course, is, is the right to remove accounts. But the idea that the state of Texas can act in, an, in a space where the United States government has already acted by saying that no one under 18 can use social media is completely unrealistic and in many ways I would say unconstitutional. It requires driver's license to be able to get on a social media platform, basically depriving anyone who doesn't have a driver's license of the ability to go on it. Secondly, it you know completely bans any person between 13 and 18 from any social media completely. Um, and then it also takes away anonymity from social media accounts, which again is deeply problematic um, and is pretty much a dictator's dream to be able to really just control speech and uh, address anyone that they don't like speech directly. Um, so the, those issues make it really not a, a serious proposal. You know, whenever we look at it, we, we do support requiring social media platforms to have you know, serious ways of addressing this, but make no mistake, this bill is really just designed to get headlines and it's not really designed to address a problem. And the bill also wants to hold social media companies like Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat accountable if they don't take the step necessary to prevent minors from using their platforms. So how will they be able to enforce this policy with these large private companies? Uh, there is a federal law that requires these platforms to take certain actions for users who are between the ages of 13 and 18. And it's difficult enough, as we've seen, for the federal government to regulate large social media and, and big tech companies. The idea that the state of Texas could or should do that is particularly troubling to those of us who value federal constitutional law. These companies are operating in all 50 states. In fact, they're operating internationally. And the idea that individual states could start to make specific laws really goes against the notion that the federal government regulates interstate commerce. Can you go in more into whether or not state legislature can really legally enforce these companies to comply and how would that compliance even look in practice? That's the $100,000 question, right? The idea that um, a state could in some way, shape, or form bind these companies is an ongoing legal question. We're seeing that right now in litigation that's ongoing in Texas and Florida, where these state legislatures have tried to enforce other restrictions against social media companies. It's really interesting right now because the federal courts are split on whether or not states can do this. Gen Z has grown up with technology at their disposal. So if a bill like this were to be passed, would it have a lasting impact on their social media usage? Has too much damage already been done? Yeah, I'm kind of reminded of the saying too, strict parents make sneaky kids. They're super smart and smarter than we think they are and they're going to access it. And in fact, it could be uh, iatrogenic and have actually more damaging effects. The more we tell them not to do something, the more they're gonna want to do it. So I don't think this is the right approach despite being well-intentioned. I think the phone itself is an addiction, okay? If you ever mm -hmm. try to discipline your child and take their, and, and take their phone away, it, it probably will create some psychological issues. That's not even social media. We're talking about the phone. 
So there are a lot of things that we probably need to work on. And I, and I, I don't even want to say the word probably. We do need to work on as a, as a society. People often say, well, won't, won't kids just use a VPN or something to make it look like they're in Florida instead of Texas or, or whatever so that they can still act, access these things? And they might, which is true. Kids are incredibly smart. I remember being a, a teenage boy and, and you know, you figure out all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But that's why you have to have some accountability on the company side to ensure that they are doing just like if you were going to a store and buy cigarettes, as we were talking about earlier, they check your ID and they make sure that you're of age. And yeah, you could have a really good fake ID and they sell it to you um, or they could just be really lax in the rules. And it's not perfect, but it does reduce the amount of harm that we're, we're giving to our children. With loopholes to get out of complying and just plain resistance, is it too late for a bill like this to be introduced? I think what we really have to do is start trying to protect kids and give parents tools to, to protect them and, and make sure that their brains are able to develop. We know how harmful this is, you know, and if we all say across that, this is bipartisan, we Across the aisle, we say we care about mental health issues, and we see something that is causing terrible mental health issues uh, for kids and increasing all these markers um, all the way up to suicide rates, which is terrifying as a parent, and we're unwilling to do anything about it. I just don't think that's an acceptable answer. I don't think this bill is written from a good place, but I think it's coming from a good place. I, I, I don't think he's a bad human being or anything like that. And he has kids that he cares about deeply. So I think this bill is probably coming from that place. But I feel like this bill may have been written from a place to together headlines, which is a different ballgame. We are not in the business of being the morality police. And the way that a family decides to approach that is really their their business um, and not the government's business to impose upon them. Our our business is to empower parents, empower families to make smart decisions for their kids and to really raise them in the way they see as best. I think the the bottom line is that cell phones, smartphones, social media is not going away. And so I think we really have to do a better job as educators, as counselors and teachers and parents and politicians and policymakers to learn to work within the fact that they're not going away. We're seeing this with litigation. We're seeing this with lawmaking that really ideology is driving the governance process. And that's particularly troubling because it means we're not spending our time and resources on improving the conditions for people in this state and people in this country. And ultimately, that's not the point of government in a democratic society. Friday at News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas, Fort Worth. Thank you so much for joining me on our podcast, Texas Wants to Know. If you liked the show, please give us a rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was written and produced by Chris Blake and Savannah Jones. Original music by Michael Eisenstein. Editorial support from Cooper Mall. Odyssey's managing producer for national news podcasts is Myron Kaplan. <laughs>